Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Making Milestones podcast, the podcast on which I, Shelby Dennis, go on long ADHD field tangents about topics of my choice, which vary from podcast to podcast, because quite frankly, I just talk about whatever I want. I don't do normal social media people things where I have like a distinct, clear niche that I stick to all the time. Like, obviously, I talk about horses most of the time, but I just like being able to talk about whatever I want. I don't want to be like confined in a specific structure of conversation that I'm expected to never leave from. So that's kind of why I like to do variety in my podcast. And it's what makes me happy because I like to use these as a means of kind of releasing frustration and talking about issues that I find important or providing people with like further context regarding myself and my life and aspects that I think are important in terms of getting to know me as a creator and horse advocate and trainer and also just like humanizing horse trainers and influencers in general because I think that a lot of us get caught up in our own day-to-day lives as well as like what we witness other people doing online and we often forget that there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes that we might not be considering. So I like talking about stuff like that because it helps humanize people online and like people behind small businesses to help remind consumers that like, hey, like even people who are running businesses that seem to be like super like legit structured and whatever, they have stuff going on behind the scenes too that might make life difficult. But anyways, today's podcast is going to be kind of all over the place, I think. Like we'll see where we go because I don't really script my podcasts like ever at all. Um, full honesty, like I just talk and whatever comes up, comes up. So it's just really natural and organic. And that's just kind of the way I like doing things. Cause I think if I scripted it, it would just be a lot less genuine and it would just seem really forced and robotic. So I don't do that. But anyways, before we jump into the topic, I just wanted to let everyone know that I'm having some sales on my website. Uh, there's some good sales on all of the summer riding shirts, base layers, etc., where you can buy like one and get 15% off buy two, get one 30% off or buy three and get the third 60% off 15% off the Milo and Harlow bridles and then 25 to 30% off of all other bridles. And then we have some really big clearance sale stuff at 80% off and more. Um, so if you want to check that out, it's much appreciated. I'm currently trying to save for my trip to Paris to speak at a horse welfare conference for Collectif Pour Les Chevaux, um, an animal, a horse welfare organization. Uh, and it's for leading up to like our Paris 2024 campaign that we're doing with the Alliance for Horse Welfare and Sport. So that's very important to me. And obviously it's like a huge undertaking. Like I'm a singular person, business person. Like I pay for all of my stuff, all my horses. And a lot of the money that I do make goes back into my business to try to continue expanding it. Cause I have a lot of stuff on the go and I have a lot of goals for the future. So it's a huge undertaking and I don't have, like I have familial support emotionally and like Um, in that regard, but I don't have like familial financial support. Like all of this I've had to kind of like do for myself. So it's very difficult. So like anyone who's interested in supporting a small business, it really matters to me. Like every time I get a sale, I'm super excited and it really makes a difference for me. On top of that, if you're interested in behind the scenes training stuff and like training tutorials on how to start using positive reinforcement, general Q and A's and other stuff like that, you can subscribe to my Patreon uh, for as little as $7 a month. And that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash S-D-E-Q-U-U-S, S-D-E-Q-U-U-S. And my shop website is shopmilestoneeq.com. And I'll put both those links down below in my bio as well. 
And yeah, it's super appreciated. I also have a lot of training resources on my website, both for free as well as paid ones that are like in the form of webinars and like training videos, etc. We just did a trauma informed webinar about horse and human trauma uh, featuring Bree McDonald from Equine Haven LLC. And then we also did a guilt and shame webinar. Both of those are really great. And I think they discuss a lot of common issues that equestrians deal with that I'm going to discuss a little bit in this podcast as well. So you can check those out on my main website, which is just milestone equestrian.ca sorry milestoneequestrian.ca whoops forgot the name of my own website oopsie daisies um but anyways let's just drop jump into the topic so what i wanted to do first is i just wanted to give like a little bit of a life update because i've been going through like a lot of shifts and changes in my life the last few years like i think it's been like the last like several years have been kind of really developing and finding out who i am as a person and i think that's relevant to the rest of the conversation we're going to have here because i do think that like feeling lost anxious and like unsettled in who i was whether or not i realized that was behind a lot of the stuff that i enabled in my horsemanship that was not so good like feeling like I didn't have a sense of identity and feeling insecure about myself kind of bled into my horsemanship and made me more likely to engage in impatient frustration-based training tactics. And it was a lot e- harder to sway away from those tactics when I was really struggling in that way. On top of that, like what I have also found is that over the years, like I haven't necessarily known how to identify my emotional state well enough. I have downplayed like how difficult of a time I'm having or like how anxious I am or how depressed I am. And it's been situations where I don't often realize like the extent of it until like after the fact and that's something that I'm working on too because I think the ability to identify and feel your emotional state and be honest with yourself about like what you're struggling with and what you're feeling also helps make you a better horse trainer because if you're aware of your emotional state you're aware of first of all how to kind of start addressing and fixing it in most cases or at the very least aware of when you need a break and you might be more mindful of how you respond to your horse because of that and for a long time I wasn't really aware of like how frustrated anxious and like depressed and exhausted and burnt out I was for so many years and like what factors were directly contributing to that and I ignored what my body was telling me a lot of times even when like it should have been really clear like I ignored my intuition and I wanted to believe what other people told me and like take their validation as the be-all and end-all assuming that like I didn't know well enough and that they knew better and like would believe their word despite the absence of actions behind it or the absence of evidence behind it, and, like, my body telling me that, like, I was, like, violently not okay with it. So, I just wanted to go into that. So, like, basically, like, the last several years, like, I've had, like, a lot, and I talk more about this in detail in the book that I recently wrote called The Other Side of Horsemanship. It talks about, like, my journey as a horse person, uh, altering my training methods, because I grew up being taught how to train horses super, super aggressively. Like, the types of abuse I had normalized to me were pretty profound uh like for example i found a video of me riding around on like my stuffed horse as a kid and like in that video i say something along the lines of oh we need to like whip this horse to get it going and like it was just like so normalized and it's like just a kid saying it and i found that really disturbing because it spoke for what i had normalized to me in my lessons and i just said it like completely like not recognize the problem with it obviously because I was only like four years old and it was just disturbing to watch that's just a good example of like how normal that was to me and that's what I grew up with so adjusting from that when I started out so young was really difficult especially when you're starting to come to terms with all of that in your teens and early adulthood and 
So my book discussed that and also discusses like my history of trauma as like um, a early like elementary school age kid to high school to early adulthood and discusses like the link of like human trauma and horse trauma and how like a traumatized human who is under stress might respond to horses differently. Like for example, since so much of my life was out of my control and there were so many horrible, difficult things happening to me that I couldn't control or stop, working with horses was one of the few places where I could really try to secure control of some sort. And it made it highly reinforcing to try to like make horses do what I want and feel like powerful over them and be able to like get praised for it. Because a lot of times people are like, wow, you're such a good rider. You can sit through anything and you can really show that horse who's boss and you get reinforced for it. So it made it a really appealing thing to do. And I think that also really impacted how I went about handling horses because I was so heavily reinforced for that on top of feeling out of control in other aspects of my life. If you're interested in checking out that book, you can buy it on my website, milestoneequestrian.ca. And it'll go into more detail about that stuff if you're interested about hearing more about that but yeah so I think that like the trauma people experience definitely impacts how they respond to their animals and also obviously other people in their life um but the last like several several years honestly have been like such a whirlwind for me like things are finally at the point where they're like starting to slow down a little bit and like get a little bit less hectic but there's still a lot going on um and a lot of changes that I've gone through like it's actually really hard to kind of remember everything that's happened over the last few years and like just how much has happened in a relatively short time because it's just been so much like even the last three years have been really quite crazy for me um but for the purpose of this podcast I'm going to focus on like the last 12 to 18 months or so um So like, obviously one of the bigger things that I did in the last year is getting the Mustangs and that's been super healing and nice for me. Like I've been really taking my time with that so that I can enjoy it and that it's not stressful for me because there was some stuff that I was going through that I wasn't recognizing how stressful it was for me and how it was impacting my ability to train my horses and show up for them properly and really want to put the work in. And So taking the pressure off of myself and just enjoying spending time with the horses on the ground and not being so fixated on like, I need to start my Mustangs under saddle like this year right away. Like I I don't, I can take my time with them. It's okay. Like there's no rush. So taking the pressure off myself for that has been really important and necessary because I just don't think I like I would have collapsed under the pressure otherwise. So getting them was like really cool, but I guess, like, for context purposes, like, my life with horses over the last year has actually been quite good. Like, I've reduced the level of responsibilities that I have, and I've been much less burned out. I've been focusing on healing my body more from, like, the bodily soreness that I had caused from riding so many horses and getting on dangerous horses. And I've been able to focus on my own horses more and making more time for them rather than only riding clients and putting my horses on the back burner. But I would say, like, my life outside of horses has been like not as great, um, specifically pertaining to relationships. And like the reason why I wanted to talk, talk about this is because like I do post about like my boyfriends online. So people like think that they get to know them through online stuff and it paints a different perception than what really is because like obviously online, I'm not going to like post the bad moments. So I'll cherry pick like the good moments of a relationship because 
you don't want to post bad moments because first of all, you'd probably get told off by your significant other and it's not necessarily fair to them. But with that said, like in this case, I'm going to share a little bit about that because I think it's important for context. And what I would really hope is that in sharing it, I can stop other young women from putting themselves in the same position that I did for so long and like doubting themselves and like their gut feeling and blaming themselves. So obviously I shared a fair amount about my boyfriend or ex-boyfriend now over the last like two years. And from what I shared, he probably looked great. And at times he was, but now that I have like the context to look back and that I've separated myself so much from that situation, I'm able to see like how toxic and like emotionally abusive so much of that relationship was. And like in sharing this, it's not to say like this person's a terrible, irredeemable person. Like I truly believe that he could do the work on himself to not be that way, but he wasn't willing to do that while I was in his space and he wasn't acknowledging how much he hurt me or how his actions were toxic and unkind. He didn't really fully own up to that. And the reason I want to share this stuff is because it's like my trauma and it's stuff that really impacted me personally way more so than it would have impacted him because it's stuff that like he directly did to me that was really hurtful and damaging. Um, and I let a lot of it go and I really, really regret that because I think forgiving so much of it and being willing to repeatedly go like, okay, like I forgive you when I'd get like either no apology or like lukewarm watered down apologies. It's developed a complex that made him believe that what he was doing was like okay and justified when it like absolutely was not and I think in doing what I did I could have potentially set it up so that like the next person that he meets could have the same thing happen to him whereas if I'd put my foot down sooner maybe it would have set more of a precedent for him to not be that way and I know like ultimately it's not my responsibility to do that but it is something that I think about and I also put myself in a situation where for the better part of a year and a half or more I was like so depressed periodically like in the very beginning of the relationship it was a really big high but then honestly it was like a lot of anxiety and lows like I have never cried so much in an 18 month period as I did in that relationship and it was like I lost entire days of work sometimes because I would just be so horrifically sad by things that had happened and the way that he was treating me and like just desperate for his love and reassurance and I wouldn't get it because the love was conditional it was taken away when he didn't like how I was behaving or didn't like what I was calling him out on when he hurt me and um, like stonewalling and like ghosting were used as tactics to try to handle situations rather than talking them over like responsible adults. And what I do want to say too is like in previous relationships that I've had, like I haven't had the same problems with having as many arguments as I had with this person previously. Like there is so much fighting and that should have been a huge red flag for me too. And I was like going to therapy and talking to my therapist and trying to come up with tactics on how to like not have these arguments result in fights. And I was using all these therapy tactics to try to like come to conclusions and like be able to discuss necessary and difficult topics like when I was hurt or stuff that we needed to talk about to further the relationship and no matter how I seemed to try to go about this it always ended up being a problem and I really wanted it to be me that was the problem which is why I kept trying to work at my, on myself and like change the way that I went about things because like I was made to believe that I was the problem and at least like if I was I could work on I was confident that I could work on myself and address whatever the problems were to make it no longer happen 
And no matter how hard I tried, these things just perpetually kept happening, even when I was told that they wouldn't happen again. It kept happening repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly. Um, and just to provide context, it was stuff like where any plans that I would make with him got like blown off if there was something better that came up. And that was something that really I found hurtful because it would literally be situations where I'm like on my way over to his house and then he'd be like, I'm going golfing with friends. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, I know that this is just another random day, but like I work really hard and I was looking forward to seeing you. And now I've been blown off and that feels really shitty. And that's like just the tip of the iceberg for stuff like this. There is like a lot of gaslighting and just general toxicity where like I could literally have things that had been sent to me from him in writing that I could see on my phone that were still there that had not been deleted and he would deny that he ever said that. And then if I went back and I screenshotted these things and sent him, them to him and was like, you said this, then there'd be a new tactic that was developed to try to deflect from that problem and be like, oh, well, like you do this, that, or the other thing, that's a problem. And the fault was always kind of frame to be with me. But I'm going to give some context on like the big things that should have been huge no's to me that this was like an abusive relationship. Um, just for context purposes. And then I'm going to link this back to horses because I think that a lot of people in the horse world are in like abusive relationships with like their trainers and toxic relationships with their trainers, or they are, or have been the toxic one to their horse in that training relationship. But for example, like, um, there was a situation where we got in an argument walking home from a party at nighttime at like 2 a.m. And he got so upset with me that he just left and left me in the dark to walk home by myself. And like I live like where we were, it's like a pretty like suburban wealthy area. So it's like safer than a lot of areas, but it was still nighttime. I was walking home alone and my mom was in Florida and no one else other than him knew where I was. And I ended up Ubering back and got home. Like I didn't walk the rest of the way home and I got home safely, but he did not know that. And he never checked, not once, to see if I got home safe. He continued partying with his friends um, downstairs in his house because I was like in his room. He never came to check on me. I got there home before him. He had no idea I was there. Didn't check. And what scared me so much about this situation is the fact that like if something had happened, no one would know where I was. And if he hadn't looked for me that night or even that morning, the next morning, like if I had had something happened to me, there would have been like a good 12 to 18 hours minimum before anyone started looking for me. Because again, no one knew where I was other than him. And that was really scary to me because it was just one of those situations where it's like, okay, it's good that nothing happened. And he used the fact that nothing happened as a reason to shrug this off. And honestly, like didn't want to apologize for the situation at all. And like blamed me for it and was like, basically, well, you made me mad. Um, so this is your fault. Like you shouldn't make me mad and do that. Like if you don't want to be like left home alone and walked like walk home alone and you could have like walked faster and come with me, but like he left quickly. And also it's like, I don't know, like, I wouldn't do something like that even to someone that I didn't like. Like, I wouldn't leave a person that I wasn't friends with, a woman, in the dark alone to walk home because I would be worried about them. And that should have been, like, a huge red flag that I should not be there because, like, someone who loves you and cares about your well-being would not have done that. But, I like, I think I was, like, love-bombed in the beginning and it was, like, I don't know, my perception is skewed because it's honestly so embarrassing to look back at now and go, like, wow, I stayed there and did that because, like, 
if it were my friend that I was watching this happen to, there's no way that I would be like, oh, this is a fine and healthy relationship. I would be like, dump him. But when it was me, I would make excuses for his behavior and all that jazz. And, um, yeah, so that was like one of the big things that happened that was like super not okay. And then there's a couple more. Like I posted a vlog video when we went on a road trip through BC to go visit my friend Amy in um, Cranbrook. And the road trip video looks amazing. It looks lovely. It looks like we had so much fun. And in reality, that wasn't the case because he didn't even want to come on that road trip. But he also didn't want me to road trip alone because he said it was dangerous, which is honestly pretty ironic because I was far safer in my truck, uh, like driving through the country than I was being left walking home alone in the dark. But that aside, like he guilt tripped me for wanting to go on because he didn't want me to go alone because he'd feel guilty. And I was like, well, I'm a big girl. I'm going. I'm going to go see Amy. You can either come if you want to or not. He decided to come and he wasn't working. So I agreed to pay for all of the expenses of the trip. And then partway into the trip, he was like, I need to be home to go to my friend's engagement party on Saturday. It's so important. I need to go. I must be there. I cannot miss it. And then convinced me to leave the trip early. Um, and I rushed through all of the last places that I wanted to go to and didn't get to enjoy them. Like some of those beautiful, pristine, cool blue lakes that are in that vlog, I would literally only got to be there for like two minutes. Like it was just for the photo op and then I had to leave and we drove all the way home to get home early and dropped him off at his house. And then I drove home to go get ready for this engagement party that we're supposed to go to. Um, and the agreement was that like, we were going to unpack all the stuff from the trip that was still in my truck after together. And anyways, after I'd gotten ready and I was just getting ready to like head to his house, I got a message that's like, Oh, like, I'm actually going to the cabin with the boys. Like I'm going to my friend's cabin. And I was like, what? I thought you had to go to the engagement party. You said it was so important that you couldn't miss it. And he's like, well, I dropped by and I visited her beforehand. So it's fine. I'm going to the cabin. And then left me with all this stuff. And like, obviously I was pissed off. So I was kind of like, what the hell? And I called him out on it. And I was like, that's super shitty. Like I didn't get to finish what I wanted to do on my trip. And I had planned to stay longer. And if you didn't want to be there for the length and time that you knew I was going, you didn't have to come. And then he said that I was a spoiled brat and that I could have, I could go again later and that like, I, that I should stop complaining because I could just go back later. But like the trip that I had driven on for context purposes was a nine hour away trip and it was like pretty expensive gas. Um, whereas the place he was going is an hour away and he goes there multiple times a year with his friends. And I was the spoiled brat in that situation, according to him, not him. And it robbed me of enjoyment of that trip. Like I can't really look photo at photos from that trip and enjoy them because he ruined it. <laughs> um, and then he stonewalled me and ghosted me for an entire weekend because he said that I was being like unreasonable and like I had to unpack all of our stuff by myself. So that was yet another red flag. And these are just like the big events that I'm giving people for context purposes, because like if anyone is dating someone like this, I really want you to reflect on whether or not that this, that's the person for you. And I'm going to get to why I think that now even more so, because I think that a lot of people get stuck on the fact that they think that they won't find another person or that like this is the person for them. And they think of like all of the few good moments because they're trauma bonded to these people that they're with because they're so toxic and they fixate on like the good moments that they've had in the situations in the beginning where they were probably being love bombed and then they excuse so many just horrible cruelties that they shouldn't have to put up with and that you shouldn't sign up to dealing with perpetually like I can't even imagine if I'd married someone like this 
it would have been horrible. It would have been a horrible, toxic relationship, and I would have been getting breadcrumbed for love my whole life and getting starved for love my whole life. And I just never could have been completely happy because that's what was going on. And I don't want other people to go through that. And like for me, I didn't really like listen to anyone that was providing me with warnings because like I just, I was really defensive and I want, I didn't want to believe what was happening because it would mean admitting that like he did not feel about me the way that he claimed to, um, which was really difficult because like this is someone that I thought that I was going to like spend the rest of my life with. But like, thank God I didn't end up doing that because it would have been a horrible situation. Um, and then I'm going to give two more examples before we broke up just so people can have context. And also the reason why I'm doing this is that I want to just like clarify the fact that like I'm no longer with him. So like anytime people see me posting about another guy, it is not this person. So anyways, then we roll around to like new years of this year. And, um, we went, I went to a party with like his friends and, um, it was going okay. And then like, I just kind of made a comment where I was just like, you know, like, it would be cool if I was, like, a little bit more included in things with, like, I don't know, like, your friends, girlfriends and stuff. Like, I would really like to be included more and, like, maybe get to know them a little better and, like, because they all went out together and stuff. And I just felt, like, out on the fringes, which is something that I felt a lot throughout my life as someone with ADHD. And I was just looking for, like, support and <laughs> reassurance. And he started yelling at me in front of this entire party, in front of all the parents at the party even as I was like, okay, like, I was like, calm down. Like, I'm not trying to start a fight. Like, all I was just saying is like, it would be nice. Like, I'm not saying it's your responsibility to fix it. I was just looking for reassurance and he's like yelling at me and I'm trying to get him to calm down and not embarrass me. Cause it was like super fucking embarrassing. Um, and then he called my mom to come pick me up, me, a 27 year old woman, my mom to come pick me up from a party and um, th this part's kind of funny because my grandma was visiting at this time. My grandma got on the phone after he called my mom and was like, you're a fucking dick. You're an asshole. And I was like, go grandma. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, so he called him to pick me, to pick me up. Despite the fact that it's like, I'm a big girl. I could have called for myself if I wanted to leave. And I didn't ask him to do that. I, I told him, I was like, I don't want you to call my family to pick me up. That is so fucking embarrassing. But anyways, he did that. And then my brother ended up coming to get me. And I just had to awkwardly wait in the kitchen with all the parents as I like cried until my brother got there. Cause I didn't want to go into the room where he was with the rest of his friends. Cause he was being so mean to me and wouldn't talk to me. And it was just like super awkward. So anyways, I left that situation with my brother and then I cried the whole night on new year's and spent new year's Eve alone and new year's alone. Um, and then unfortunately for me, I was boo boo the fool and I forgave him after that because I'm fucking stupid. Um, no, but I was like, it was an abusive, it was an emotionally abusive relationship and my self-esteem had taken such a plunge that like, I just kept putting myself in situations where I was forgiving him for things that weren't forgivable and there wasn't enough changed behavior to forgive for them. And it enabled him in his behavior because there wasn't like enough of a risk of losing me when these things happened. And I think that he just didn't appreciate me at all. So I forgave him for that, unfortunately. Um, and then like throughout the months, like after this, like there wasn't necessarily as big of blowouts like that, but there was always like little fights where like he would just like, there was just not really any like reasoning. And like, anytime I had anything that I was like, Hey, like, 
this made me a little uncomfortable or this hurt my feelings or we should talk about this. It was just always a problem. Like the only way I could avoid fights was essentially by like walking on eggshells and not sharing how I felt about things, which made me really uncomfortable. So since I was having to suppress so much of that to like try to keep the peace, even when we would be hanging out and like having quote unquote good times, like I would just be feeling like violently anxious And I didn't put my finger on the fact that he was what was making me anxious and I couldn't figure out why my anxiety was so bad. But even when we were just like sitting down, like supposed to be relaxing, like watching a TV show, I just felt like violently anxious all the time. And that should have been a huge red flag. And I didn't listen to my body in that situation. And throughout this time, I was having like doubts and concerns about the long term and just like visions of like how the future would look with like the lack of change that there had been and the amount of fighting that there was. And it was really scary, but I couldn't bring myself to leave right away or like not even right away, but like for a long time, because I think that collectively there was only maybe like three to six months of this entire relationship that were even like remotely healthy, if that. Um, Anyways, so then we hit spring of this year and the final nail in the coffin where I just finally lost it and put my foot down, which I'm really thankful for, but also kind of upset with like this context in which this happened was that my friend, one of my best friends since elementary school, since I was in grade one, is getting engaged. She's getting, well, she's engaged. She's getting married. So she was having an engagement party. We got invited a month and a half in advance. And I said, do you want to come as my date? Because we have to RSVP. And if you're coming, I just, I want to know so that I know for sure. And if you're going to agree to come, like I need you to commit to that, which realistically you shouldn't even need to say, but I needed to, because he's blown me off in so many other settings. Um, that I had to say that. And anyways, um, he was like, yeah, 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 I'll come. And was like, great. And then even leading up to it, he's like, yeah, don't worry. Like I've, I've put penciled you into my schedule. I'm coming and like, blah, blah. And then the day of the party rolls around or like the day before. And then I find out that like his friend decides to have a birthday party on the same night as the party. So then I'm anxious. Cause I was like, he's going to fucking blow me off. And then on the day of the party, he like assures me that's not going to happen. We come to an agreement because it's like a lunchtime daytime party that he could go to his friend's party. Like, later on in the evening around like nine o'clock after we're done at the engagement party. And then I figured that was a pretty good compromise. Um, anyways, we head to the engagement party and it was really embarrassing because he doesn't want to like interact with anyone. Like people were noticing my mom noticed and it was just uncomfortable. And then we'd been there for an hour and a half when he was like, can we leave in an hour? to go to my, or can I leave in an hour to go to my friend's party? And then I was like pissed. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like you said that you were going to come here. We agreed that like on a time that we're leaving, like, are you fucking kidding me? And then he was like, oh, well, like, okay, fine. Like it's okay. Like I said, fine. And like, and I'll stay. And I was like, no, it's the fact that you asked. And then he was just stuck on the fact that he said that it was fine and that he'd stay and said that I shouldn't be mad about that. And I was like, no, it's the fact that you asked. Like I've told you again and again, how hurtful it is that you keep blowing off my plans, that they don't hold as much value to you. And that anytime something better comes up, you always want to leave. And like, it's hurtful. And then he just is like, I don't see why you're mad. Cause like I said that I would stay. And I was like, 
no, it's the context of like asking Like he shouldn't even need to ask. And then obviously the parallel from like the fact that he was like, oh, I cannot miss this engagement party when it was one for him. And he could recognize in that situation when it was like manipulating what he wanted, that it was like super important for him to go, but he couldn't see why I was upset that he didn't want to just stay for a few hours longer. So anyways, we get in a fight at this place. It robs me of spending time with my friend on the day of her engagement party and stresses me out and makes it substantially less enjoyable to stay there and enjoy this party. And then I end up leaving with him and I break up with him right when we leave. And I take an Uber back to my house, but not before we get in a big fight. And I was just like, yeah, that's really shitty of you. Like I've told you again and again, how this makes me feel. And you just don't seem to care. He got really mad. He threw a beer can at a tree and it exploded. Um, and that scared me too. I was like, yikes. And anyways, I took an Uber back and then, um, that was that. And I was really, really sad for several weeks after, and it was really, really hard. And I was kind of still in denial about how fucked up the relationship was, despite the fact that like all of my family and like my friends did not want me to be with him. Like my friend Amy sent me memes about toxic relationships and like emotional abuse and like walking away (laughs) and leaving people. She sent me memes for like probably two months straight, like even before I dumped him. And honestly, that really helps because it kept like just reiterating the fact that anytime I was thinking of like downplaying the situation, it was just like a really stark reminder of like just how bad it was. Um, and I was super sad for a while and it made it really hard to get like my work done. Like, honestly, this is probably why like a lot of my content production has been slipping, why I didn't end up filming as much with the Mustangs as I wanted to, why I've done way less editing of the Mustang footage that I do have than I plan to. Like I'm super behind on editing, why I've been late to ship orders sometimes. And it's just impacted my entire business on such a repeated basis that there definitively was like definitely like emotional damage, obviously, but also probably like financial damages to some extent, because it really impacted my ability to work because I was just so depressed and anxious all the time. And I didn't realize to what extent until I was through that initial part of the breakup where you're like, finally let go and you like are really, really sad. You cry it all out and then it's gone and it's like a weight off your shoulders. And when I hit that point, I was like, holy cow, I feel so relieved. I feel so much less anxious. I'm so much less depressed. I have way more energy. I actually have the desire to do these things that I wanted, want to do. And I'm valuing myself more. Like I didn't realize how much the situation impacted my self-worth and my self-esteem and just my general mental health. Like it was making my life so, so much harder for like almost two years. And I didn't realize to what extent until I was out of it. And that's something that I'm going to regret for a very long time. Like I think that the only silver lining from this is the fact that it's taught me like what I absolutely will not stand for and hopefully made it less likely for me to end up in one of those situations again. But it was a really, really horrible situation and it was super impactful to my mental health. And I guess like the point in sharing this all is like, if anyone can relate to these situations that I've shared and if you're still with the person who has done stuff like this and who has like gaslit you and like, like given and taken their love like strategically and manipulatively and gone back on things that they've said like for example he even like took back like when he told me he loved me and stuff like it was fucked um 
please consider whether or not that's someone you want to continue spending time with because the emotional toll of ending the relationship and being really sad for that period of time is probably going to be significantly less than the collective depression and huge emotional hurt that you deal with repeatedly over a lengthy period of time as they continue to do things that hurt you and not loving you in the way that you deserve. And everyone deserves to find that person that's actually going to treat them well, that they can grow with, that they can have the hard conversations with without fearing um, some level of mistreatment because then it makes you scared to have conversations that are necessary in relationships and would allow you to grow closer if you had them. So my hope in sharing this is that like any other people who are in a similar situation, that it'll just help them feel validated if they were having doubts and considering leaving, because like, I think that's really important. I think that these type of relationships happen way more often than what a lot of people would like to admit, especially in straight relationships with like cisgendered straight people. Um, there's a lot of abuse, no offense, men. Like I know it's not all men, but it's too many of you that do this. Um, where there's like a, a skewed power dynamic, a lack of emotional intelligence and emotional regulation. And then the woman is kind of strapped with the responsibility of a grown ass man's emotions and blamed for when she elevates them or when she triggers him, his behavioral response becomes her responsibility, even when ultimately it's his job to emotionally regulate himself and handle it in a healthy manner, even if she has upset him. Um, and like, I know I have a lot of friends who've been in similar situations to this where they've dated someone like this, and it, it's just, it's certainly not uncommon. So I wanted to share my story in hopes of preventing other people from making the same mistake for as long as I did, because it was very damaging to my emotional health. Like, it really, really impacted me in a lot of ways that I'm still discovering, and I'm still learning about, like, just how messed up so many of the reactions in that relationship were. Um because it just, it simply wasn't healthy. So if you, if you are in a similar situation, like, I just want to be clear that like not all types of abuse are like physical, like emotional abuse is a thing and it's emotionally abusive for people to weaponize their love for you and retract it at any point and like stonewall and ghost you, especially knowing how much it upsets you. Like I, I, I even said at one point, like, Hey, like, I've had a lot of loss in my life where things have changed suddenly and I've lost people or they've just like disappeared from my life. Like when my dad had the stroke and then when he moved away, I've had a lot of things happen where I felt like unstable. So like the ghosting and like stonewalling is like especially triggering to me for that reason. And it didn't matter. He still kept doing it. Um, so yeah, if you're going through a similar situation, I just want you to know that it is completely unacceptable. Like that's not okay. It's not healthy. Don't put up with it, please. You can find someone better. And I know that the transitional period between like breaking up with someone and healing really, really sucks. It's super uncomfortable. It's terrible. But the discomfort of perpetually dealing with that type of treatment is so much worse than the discomfort of ending it and walking away, no matter how hard it feels in the moment. Like I felt like I couldn't manage it in the moment. I felt so depressed. It was like so hard to not want to go back because that would have given me temporary relief. Um, but like weathering that level of depression and then coming out on the other side, one shows me that I can do it. Like I can handle that myself. I can do it. I can survive. I can handle that level of sadness and move on from it and become a healthier person. And two, that there's something on the other side, that there's better people out there, better suited people for you, even if you have to deal with something really horrible to find it. So now that I'm like through that, I look back at it and I'm like, 
I'm actually grateful that we broke up. I'm grateful that he continued to treat me so poorly that I was finally able to put my foot down and walk away like I'd been needing to for so long. I'm grateful for him showing me that, like, how I didn't want to be treated. I'm grateful for him serving as a reminder of, like, what I absolutely don't want to become, what type of relationship I absolutely don't want to have, what type of behavior I absolutely don't want to participate in or enable, the type of toxicity that I don't want to have in my life. I'm grateful for that lesson that he taught me. And I really hope that he heals in the way that he needs to, to not replicate that. Because I am pretty confident that the issue was not me. I'm sure I engaged in toxicity in the relationship because it was hard not to. It was such a toxic environment. But I really tried to be the mediator and to choose the path of least resistance even to my own detriment. And I really, like, I tried to, I went to therapy. I worked on myself. And, like, I really wanted me to be the problem because at least, like, I can work on myself. I have control over myself and my own actions. Um, but it just wasn't enough. So, if you're in that type of situation, please don't prolong and continue it. There's better things on the other side. So on to the better things. After I healed from that and I started going on dating apps again, it was quite eye-opening to me. Like one, how many other people were out there and two, like the amount of respect that so many of them showed me right off the bat that like he never did. And Obviously, like, people are their best selves when they're trying to win you over and, like, they can change once they've got you because that's what happened in this past relationship. But it was just interesting. And there was some, like, pigs and stuff that said really gross stuff. Like, I have some pretty funny Tinder texts that I got that I was like, holy crap, why would you use this pickup line? Like, does this ever actually work? Why would you want to do this? Um, that were kind of funny, but overall it was just kind of like okay like there's other things out here and I made the right decision and obviously like you don't need to be with someone to be happy and like for honestly for a lot of the time like I just had no interest in really meeting other people like everyone who tried to hit me up I just wasn't interested in like I I found it boring and disinteresting and I just didn't really have it in me to really engage in the way that I needed to so like I didn't really use it much for anything other than just like the fun of going through the people on there. And then I'd get really bored and tired of conversations really, really quickly. Um, but then I found someone who piqued my interest and that I could have really good conversation with. And it was interesting because like the conversation would just hit off right away. It was super, super easy. And, um, that was pretty cool. So then I was like, okay, I'm a little intrigued, but only about this like one singular person on here. Everyone else I find boring. This is like the only person that I found particularly interesting on this app. And I'm not super invested in starting a relationship or anything, but I'm really curious about this human being and getting to know him. Um, and so like we talked a little bit on the app and then, we talked a little bit on the phone and we'd both just kind of gotten out of really similarly toxic relationships, honestly, um, where we had been the person in the relationship that cared way, way more and was being taken advantage of. Um, and anyways, we talked on text for a little while. And then like before we met, we ended up having like a two hour or two and a half hour conversation on the phone and got to know each other really well, like discussed so many different things. Like I literally got to know him better in that singular conversation than I had like most of my previous boyfriends in a matter of years. Cause we talked so openly about stuff. Um, 
And we both have ADHD, which honestly might play a role in that, because I found that neurodivergent people are generally way more honest than neurotypical people. And I've been friends with a lot of neurodivergent people, but I've never dated a neurodivergent person. Um, so there was a lot more honesty and just complete transparency about like everything, including prior relationships and just like thoughts on life and like political views and like moral views and just like just honesty, like stuff that like people would consider like trauma dumping in a different context, but like we were both okay with it and we're just sharing and getting to and like sharing things that were like an important context if you really want to get to know someone and it's like we we're both receptive and open to it. So we got to know each other super, super well and shared things that in theory, like in a neurotypical conversation, aren't necessarily viewed as societally appropriate to bring up to someone that fast. Um, but it was nice. Like I actually liked that because I really hate small talk. And that was one of the biggest things on dating apps where it was just like small talk is so boring and stupid. I hate it so much. I understand it has a time and place, but it's like, really difficult for me to pretend to be interested and really make the effort to want to talk to someone and like continue engaging in a conversation that I just simply do not find interesting. And that's like one of my biggest difficulties with like small talk and like meeting people. Like I just want to cut, I want to get straight to the nitty gritty. Like tell me about yourself. What's your deepest, darkest trauma? What's your, what, what, what are your political views? Like what do you believe in? What's your passion? What sets your soul aflame? Like I want to get down to the exciting stuff. I want to bypass all the like, what, how's the weather? Like blah, 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 blah. Like, like, and I would say, what do you do for work? But that is a good question to like get to know someone, but you know what I mean? Like the little questions that are just kind of like towing the line and like being safe and just asking like the, what we view as like appropriate. And like, it, it's, it's very, um, very cautious conversation and it doesn't really allow you to get to know someone super super well it just lets you know like the, them on the surface level if that makes sense so it's not something that I find interesting so it was absolutely fascinating to me to find someone that I could talk to one that easily and about those things and do so for like two and a half hours because what I want to reiterate to people like especially for anyone who has maybe ever met me in person, especially like in busy places. Like I have social anxiety. It does not come easily to me to just like talk to people freely and to meet people. And that was like one of the concerns that I was like the most terrified about in joining the dating scene again was having to go on a first date with someone and having it be like really awkward and being in a situation where I might in theory want to leave but feeling too anxious to leave because I didn't want to hurt the person's feelings and then just being like trapped in that situation and that fear alone was almost enough that I just didn't actually like I didn't want to go meet anyone until we would talked a lot over message or phone and that's not something that a lot of people want to do like a lot of people want to just like meet you right away and that's not what I wanted like I was like I don't want to go and meet someone unless I'm pretty freaking confident that we'll get along because it's like a waste of my time like I'm a busy person I don't want to put the work into meeting someone and then have it be a situation where we may or may not get along very well. So that was one of my primary concerns. And then being able to talk to someone who I do not know for two and a half hours that easily, like that's like unheard of for me. Like I was not expecting that whatsoever. And then after that, I was like super fucking intrigued. And I was like, okay, like now we need to meet, like we need to meet each other and see what's up. Um, and so then we did and we went on a date and had Thai, take out Thai food at his apartment, which like typically I wouldn't go 
to a guy's apartment for the first date, but, like, he is a doctor, and I figured it would be really inconvenient for him to murder me or do any fuck shit because it would end his career, so... <laughs> and I shared my location, like, with my friends and my mom and stuff, but I was like, yeah, it would be kind of inconvenient for him to, like, murder me or whatever because, like, he's already put, like, over a decade into school, like, well over a decade into school, and to blow all of that just to murder little old me would be pretty stupid. Um, so I broke the rules with that, but then like, it was just really easy, natural and organic. And I was struck by the fact that even with someone I didn't know very well, that I, there was just this complete absence of anxiety and that it was just like easy to talk to him and it was like comfortable to talk to him. And like, I wasn't worried about being judged. I didn't have like that internal tension and anxiety that I'd felt even just sitting around with like my ex who I knew in theory so much better that I'd gotten to know for so much longer. And that was really eye opening to me to like be with someone new and hang out with someone new who I should be less comfortable with and then not feel that anxiety and just having it be like easy. Um, and in the past, like, I've read some memes online or, like, some of, like, from, like, like therapy or relationship accounts that are just, like, um, listen to your nervous system. Like, when it's quiet and you feel calm around someone, like, listen to your nervous system. It feels good. And, like, when your brain slows down and your brain is quiet and you can feel, like, at peace with someone, it's a really good thing. And that's not something I've really felt in a relationship before where I don't, like, worry constantly or at least near constantly or at least experience some level of anxiety. It's not been a thing for me like that. And having that with someone that's, like, brand new to me in my life was fascinating. And so after that, I was, like, super freaking intrigued. Um, and we just got along really well. We had a little, a lot of similar views, a lot of similar passions, a lot of similar, similar goals and like what we wanted to do for advocacy and like what we believed in socially and just like worldviews and whatnot. And it was just, it was so fascinating and I really enjoyed it. So then that was kind of like really eye opening for me too, where I was like, okay, if I hadn't left that previously toxic situation, I never would have found this one. Um, and then I was even more grateful for what happened. And then it seems super serendipitous because ironically, we both ended our relationships with our exes on like the same day, which is like, what are the fucking odds of that? That is kind of hilarious. Um, but anyways, we got to know each other over the course of weeks, talked a lot on the phone and talked in person and like went on some dates and just really enjoyed each other's company. Um, and yeah, so now we are like boyfriend and girlfriend just as a heads up. So if I post anything about a boyfriend, it is not the one that I talked about previously. It is not the one I've had the fucking upgrade of the century. It is like, like, it's like dating an Olympian after dating, like, dating someone who has the running capacity of a toddler, you know, like I'm with Usain Bolt when I was like, I had like like a, a toddler on a leash that was running in a race before, you know, like that's the comparison. Like, yeah. So like, like in terms of the capacity to treat someone well, um, so like it, it's much different and substantially better and it's still like early days, but like, it's been really cool. Cause it's also shown me that it's like, okay, so this is like the standard that I could have. Um, and anyways, I'm getting treated much, 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 better now. 
and I'm really grateful for that. So if you see the stuff that I post online, just be mindful of the fact that it's a different guy. And I just wanted to clarify that because like, like he's just such a better person than my ex that I don't want them getting confused. Like it's an insult to him. Like he's just such a good human being, like the nicest, most delightful ray of sunshine of a human being ever. And he does not deserve to even be in the same stratosphere of comparison as my ex. So I know most people on my socials aren't necessarily going to listen to this podcast and hear it for context, but it just makes me feel better to kind of put it out there for clarification purposes. Um, And like when people confuse it, I am correcting their comments and whatnot, but I wanted to put that out there because like, I just have so much respect for him and I just want to share like how much happier and more respected I feel. And it's just been really nice because it's just a way healthier, more secure relationship. And like, I'm not like a jealous, like anxious person in a relationship in the sense that I don't get like jealous of like other people or like women, unless they give me like a reason to, it's not really been my thing to be like the crazy girlfriend, but I was like made to feel that way. Cause there's stuff that just hurt my feelings so badly that I couldn't let go, like feeling like I was getting ditched and whatnot. And that like, like the time spent with me didn't matter. And like, I wasn't valued. Um, and kind of just like, I was like a chore to have around that I was like a burden and that made me feel really insecure. And then I was constantly needing to seek reassurance and I would have to ask for it because it was not freely given to me. And then the act of asking for it was such an inconvenience that it made me feel worse. Um, and in this case, like I don't need to ask for reassurance. I just get it. Like I don't even need to say that I'm feeling insecure because I don't, but like I don't have to ask for any of that. It just, it comes. And what's also been eye opening to me is that like in the past with like a lot of the people that I've seen, like when you ask them what they like about you, it's oftentimes like, oh, you make me really happy. Like, you're so beautiful. You're funny. And it's like really shallow, like little things. And like, those aren't necessarily bad things to say, but if that's all they can say, then it's kind of like, how much do you know about me? Because then again, it's eye-opening to have someone who in theory is newer to your life that can identify way more things about your character, your personality, and like who you are as a person to say that they like about you and appreciate than people who've known you for substantially more time. And that has been eye-opening to me as well. But this has kind of become long-winded about this whole situation. I just wanted to share all this because like if I can help even one person like reconsider the path that they're on relationally, or even like if they're not in a relationship, help them notice red flags sooner so they don't make the same mistake I did and stay in a situation like that for far too long, then that's what I want to do. And like initially I didn't want to talk about this or release this information because I wanted to like protect my ex and not like say any of this stuff. But at the same time, it's like, it's, it's, my trauma and like my hurt too. And I think that wanting to protect someone from the consequences of their actions and like the reality of how they made someone feel isn't necessary because like he can do the internal work to not treat someone like that again. And he can show change. I was very clear with like all of the situations that I think were wrong. And like I told him, I was like, I really don't want you to do this to someone else. Like I really hope you'll consider and like work on yourself. Um, and ultimately it's up to him if he chooses to do that or not. And 
if he wants to talk shit about me, he's welcome to. Because, like, I don't even think this is talking shit. It's just, like, these are things that happened that hurt my feelings, and they happened so repeatedly that I don't really think that they could have been accidental. Or if they were accidental, he wasn't reflecting enough. So don't put up with a situation where you're being, like, breadcrumbed with love. Like, you deserve the whole ass loaf. And it's not a healthy situation to put up with the breadcrumbs because, like, you're starving so much that it's like when you get a crumb, it feels great for a second. But you're still being starved. So you deserve the whole meal. Get yourself the whole meal. Don't get breadcrumbed. And don't put up with mistreatment just because you think that you deserve it or that your self-esteem is so low that you can't see a better way because there there are better situations out there for you and you shouldn't have to put up with this and it would have just been such a tragedy if this is something that I signed up to put up with for my whole life like it would have been so horrible and I'm really really glad that I'm out and on the other side now because like otherwise like if that hadn't happened like I wouldn't be in the position where I am now where I've met someone that makes me feel really really happy and aligns way more closely with my views and that I can talk to you about so many different things that I can have these more difficult conversations with and not have it blow up into a huge fight and someone who also like respects me as a person and like respects my business respects what I do and isn't like condescending and I guess like invalidating to me or treating me like I'm stupid, or treating me like I'm broken, or treating me like I'm a toddler because it's like ADHD things, and treating me like I need to be babysat. Like, it's nice being with someone that isn't like that, and that they also get, like, the struggles that come with having ADHD, and also just being on the same level speech-wise, because, like, the way that neurodivergent people tend to talk, and, like, how quickly, and, like, how our brains bounce around is very different than what neurotypical people might do. So it's kind of refreshing to meet someone that is like the same. And what I have noticed too is that even with friends, most of my friends are neurodivergent and I think that we flock together for a reason because we understand each other really well. Um, And I still do have neurotypical friends, but like the neurodivergent ones are just easier to find and connect with like right away without as much work as it might be to connect with a neurotypical person because it's less guarded. There's less masking involved. They just get it more and it just feels inherently safer and it's really nice. So that's kind of the story of like the difficulties I've had like the last 18 months. Like a lot of them were honestly relationship related and it was really, really hard. And to be quite honest, like I had like one foot out the door for a while like in the sense that like I knew something wasn't right deep down and I was really uncomfortable with it and it just wasn't sitting right with me and that's probably why I had these anxieties that I could just feel even when I was just sitting around and like my like my body knew that it wasn't the right situation and it just took my brain some time to catch up and really like take the steps that I needed to to really like alleviate myself from that pain um and like I don't want people to listen to this podcast and feel like they need to, like, go stand up for me or, like, defend my honor or go bother him because, like, that's not what I want. I don't think that that's productive. I think ultimately, like, someone like that needs to figure out their path to growth on their own and whether or not they do that is their choice. I hope that the next time he chooses to get in a relationship, he'll be better equipped to have one because I think in this case that 
he didn't really want a serious relationship. He just wanted the fun aspects of it and wanted to be able to pick it up and put it down whenever he felt like it. And that's why it was so hurtful to me because I was looking for something serious. Like I am looking for like a life partner and he, like I don't date just for the sake of dating. When I see someone, it's because I see potential in them to be that person. And that's what I'm looking for. And if someone isn't looking for that, that's perfectly okay. But then they shouldn't be with someone who is looking for that. Um, so anyways, to anyone out there who may or may not be in a toxic relationship, just like value yourself more than them. Don't worry about their feelings. I was so preoccupied with his feelings and like feeling sad about like the road that he could, could go down relationship wise if he didn't address some of the behaviors that like I was trying to like save him from himself. And I made myself so sad thinking about how things were going to impact him and not even just thinking about myself. And now that I'm separate from that, it's like I am thinking for myself more and I'm valuing myself more, my own decisions more. And I think that's really important. Um, but to connect this to like toxic barn relationships and like trainer relationships, I do think it's important for people to realize that there's a lot of emotional abuse and like trauma bonding that occurs in barns. A lot of trainers use shame and humiliation based training methods to try to get students to comply and agree with them and to try to end any arguments or questioning from students and staff. And it's very normalized in our community to have people behaving that way. And I think that the normalization of it also contributes to how people treat horses because it's just really normalized to kind of off how our actions impact others and how people can do deliberately hurtful things either to horses or other people and then try to downplay the, the, the hurt they've caused when they're not the ones feeling it. Like ultimately when you've hurt someone that you care about, it's not up to you to tell them how hurt that they are. And if you really love someone and your intention is not to hurt them, it shouldn't be that difficult to be like, hey, like, I'm really sorry. I did not intend to hurt you. And if it's really hard for them to say that, then you seriously need to reevaluate if that's the person that you want to be like spending lots of time with, because like that is so not OK. It's so unkind. It's not fair. And we can just be doing so much better than that. Like, it's just it's not worth putting up with something like that because you're always just going to feel like inadequate and insecure. So even in a barn environment, if that's like what you're being made to feel, like if you're being made to feel sad and uncomfortable and stressed more often than not, like you need to find an environment that is less toxic and less like emotionally damaging because like the level of mental fatigue and physical fatigue that like emotional trauma can give you is so underrated and so underrepresented and so under talked about that we downplay it and then we then beat ourselves up for our inability to cope well under emotional duress and like that's what I did to myself too I felt like a piece of garbage when I wasn't getting as much stuff done even though I was so depressed and I was having these situations that were so emotionally exhausting where it would be like several hour several day long fights over things that should have been able to be resolved much quicker with much less grief and then just dealing with like the repercussions of that and I was always the one that was so much more sad because I was like more invested in everything and it damaged my ability to do things and then instead of recognizing why I was so burnt out and why I had a harder time getting this stuff done, I just continued to like beat myself up and feel really bad about like what I wasn't able to do instead of recognizing where it was coming from and why I was struggling. And a lot of like my work and like who I was as a person was like either downplayed or completely like destroyed because like it made him feel like my theory is that it made him feel insecure. Like a lot of my political beliefs and like moral beliefs and whatnot, like were painted out to be different or like I was it was kind of framed like I was being a fraud about certain things. Um, 
because it's not something he would do in my position is like what I felt it was. And I think that a lot of trainers do that too, where it's like if their student questions the ethicality of something, they will then try to attack and undermine the student and kind of gaslight them into feeling guilty for having that position because their that position makes the trainer feel uncomfortable. So there's a lot of parallels we can draw between even romantic relationships to like trainer-student relationships or even like peer relationships within a barn because a lot of this behavior is just so normalized. And I think that we really need to start honestly acknowledging how damaging emotional trauma is to physical and mental health. And it's not something that we should just shrug off. Like the whole idea that you should just get over it and like move on and truck on and like not be bothered by things that are really, really bothersome and hurtful. It's so damaging. Like you should be bothered by someone you really care and really respect, completely disrespecting your being as a human. You should care about that. And you do deserve to be treated better. You don't deserve to be gaslit and hurt by people that you idolize or love or value, you know, like everyone deserves to be treated nicely. And even in situations where there's disagreement, like someone who is in a, especially if they're in a power position or if they're really close to you, they should be able to disagree with you without completely like destroying who you are as a person and being super, super unkind. And they should also be able to hear out like how they've hurt you without getting like emotionally triggered to the point where they completely invalidate your feelings and make the fact that they feel guilty about how you feel or how you've been hurt your problem and then make it your responsibility how you being honest with how they've made you feel hurts them or triggers them and that's not okay either because it's like everyone can hurt someone at any time you know like we can all do toxic and inconsiderate things so this isn't even to say that like you're a terrible horrible irredeemable person if you engage in toxicity everyone is toxic at some point but like how you respond to said toxicity and like how you respond to people you love telling you that you've hurt them does say a lot, especially over a repeated period of time. Like if you repeatedly invalidate the feelings of someone you love or someone like someone who loves you, you should question whether or not how much you love them. Because if it's, if the love is not enough to consider that you're hurting them repeatedly, even if you don't really understand why they're hurt, you should be making an effort to understand that and try to like, like fix it or try to decide like, okay, if you can't stop hurting them in that capacity, then are they the person for you? If there's like such big conflict morally between the two of you. Um, so yeah, just some food for thought. And I just wanted to share that because like, I know that a lot of like, I've, I've heard from a lot of people in similar situations, what's been going on. And it's, it's interesting to see like how many women will try and try and try to make things work. And blame themselves and like have their own self-esteem and self-perception destroyed over their inability to help someone that is deliberately deciding to not improve on aspects of themselves that are also contributing to a greater problem because it takes two to tango. You can't create a healthy relationship with someone who doesn't want to look at aspects of which they're like, like how they're being toxic and how they're being hurtful. You know, like you can't create a healthy relationship with someone who doesn't care if they hurt you. And if they're so fixated on feeling righteous and being correct and they care more about that than your feelings. And like, honestly, sometimes holding your position and stuff is warranted because especially if you're the one being hurt, you shouldn't just give in if, if you expressing your hurt makes someone angry. But at the same time, like, people who love you want to have conflict resolution. 
they want to solve things. They don't want to like perpetually engage in conflict and view it as normal. And like, it really isn't normal to be having tons and tons of fights with your significant other. Like the more I've thought about it, it's like with my really close friends, like we basically never fight. The few times we have disagreements, they're usually pretty short lived. And we're able to discuss them and come to a resolution pretty easily. And it doesn't get elevated to the same extent at all as what I've experienced in like that previous relationship. Like it doesn't happen like that, but for whatever reason in romantic relationships, we normalize like such a level of toxicity that like wouldn't be viewed as healthy or normal in friendships. Like, think about how often you fight with your friends and like when you do fight with them, like how those arguments go and compare that to your relationship because they really shouldn't be that dissimilar. Like obviously like living with someone or hanging out with someone all the time opens up the door to have more disagreements with them simply because you're spending more time with them. And when you're living with them, there's also more complications involved with, um, like having to be in their presence and having to like share resources, etc. But with that said, like even if you're living with friends, like you shouldn't be having big blowouts all the time where both of you end up feeling really, really hurt and unheard because then it's a sign that your conflict resolution skills need a lot of work. And if you're not willing to work on them, then it's a problem. So now I kind of look at things from the perspective of like relationships, even romantic ones, shouldn't really be that dissimilar to my friendships in how we handle conflict, how we respect each other, how we help each other, how we support each other. It should be very similar because like a relationship that's romantic is essentially just a really great friendship. Like it's essentially like if like someone who you spend your life with, like the idea should just be like, they're your best, best friend first and foremost. And then you get the other romantic things that you don't necessarily have in a friendship if that's what you're looking for. But like the basis of it should just be built on like a general enjoyment of each other's company and enjoyment of who each other are as people. And that's the way it should be. And like, same with like student trainer relationships. Like obviously that's a professional relationship, but it should still be built on respect. The fact that the trainer has a different power dynamic than the student doesn't justify them deliberately mistreating, shaming, and humiliating the student. Like they should still respect them as a human being and honor and value their feelings, even if they don't necessarily agree with where those feelings are coming from. Those feelings are still relevant and they deserve to be heard and respected. And I think that's one of the biggest problems that we see in this world. Like there's a lot of normalized toxicity that leads people to not seeing the glaring red flags that there are that are present in certain relationships with like, be it professional, romantic, platonic. We have normalized such a degree of toxicity that people don't view problematic behaviors as being as problematic as they are. And then it leads people to staying within situations that are not safe or healthy for their well-being for extended periods of time. And what I find interesting too is like, obviously I'm very outspoken about like mental health and like toxicity and like mistreatment, especially in the horse world. And like, I'm really well-versed on that stuff. I study it a lot. I spend a lot of time like reading like mental health stuff and like therapy stuff and like studying that sort of thing. And even in, even in doing so, I was susceptible to falling into the cycle that I did and how toxic it was and repeatedly engaging it, even though in theory I should have known better, I still fell into that cycle. Even as I was like reading things that were glaringly like applicable to the situation that I was in, I still justified it. I still blamed myself in a lot of cases and I still tried so hard to fix the role that I thought I played in the toxicity to no avail for almost two years. I kept trying to like do things differently and like problem solve and like not having it go correctly. And at the end of the day, like the problem was that like 
you can't make things work if only one half of that relationship is really wanting to make them work. And I think that we also need to take into account that like words are just words. If words aren't followed by actions, they're just words. It's really easy to say what someone wants to hear. It's a lot harder to follow through. So I think it's important that we actually look at the actions behind people's words rather than just believing what they say, especially when they're backed into a corner in the sense where they're told like, hey, I'm going to leave this relationship because of how you're acting. It's easy to say what someone wants to hear within that context. And since I share so much of my life online and like some of the stuff that I've done is in the public eye, I just want to provide context for that because like, like I, like for people who would have witnessed that relationship and thought that it looked so good on paper and so healthy, like I just want to point out the fact that like things are not always what they seem. It wasn't a healthy relationship. That doesn't mean that I think that he was a fundamentally terrible person who is irredeemable, but he was not a good person to me in that relationship and it wasn't healthy. And I'm much happier now. So I hope that people will enjoy getting to know this new human in my life who is so enthusiastic about learning how to ride. Like he's so busy as like, he's a doctor and he's in residency to become an orthopedic surgeon. So he's like busy, busy, busy working like 80 to a hundred hour weeks. And even with that, like he still makes time to see me and he still wants to make time to get riding lessons at least once every two weeks, despite how busy he is. And that's also been really eye-opening and appreciative to me because it's like he has no time and like it would be so much more justifiable to just not make the time because he has so little of it and even though he has so much less time than like anyone else I've ever dated like he's making such an effort to make the time to like talk to me and get to know me and engage in stuff that's important to me but the cool thing about like the horse stuff is like he's not just doing it because it's important to me like he's legitimately like interested in learning and super super enthusiastic about it and honestly like way better at it than he should be at this stage it's kind of annoying that he can just go and do all these things and be so good at them um wish that were me with as many talents as he has but yeah like it's impressive and for me too it's kind of nice because if he does learn quicker it's going to be more fun so we'll be able to go on trail rides and do more of that stuff safely um a lot sooner so that's fun um but yeah it's been eye-opening because it's like like there's been quotes that i've seen online that are like oh if someone really cares about you they'll make time for you if they don't make time to talk to you and hang out with you that they don't care and like i don't think that's always true because sometimes people are so busy and overwhelmed that they cannot make the time even for people who are they really care about which was honestly like me in my previous relationship like i put my friends on the back burner and i did not check on them enough i did not contact them enough i did not talk to them enough and i was a shitty shitty friend because i was just so overwhelmed with what was going on around me and it wasn't because I didn't care um but at the same time in certain cases it can be because they just don't it's not important to them and I think that for me in the case of the previous relationship I just wasn't important enough to him which is fine but also it's like then don't string someone along if they're not as important to you as you are to them and if you would rather be doing other things then just go do that like you don't have to have them around it's okay to have different goals and want to do different things um but yeah, it's been super cool. And I've been teaching 
my new boo to ride and like doing lots of stuff. And he's teaching me how to do stuff that he does. And, um, for those of you who don't follow my Instagram or YouTube or TikTok, which I'm assuming you probably at least follow one of those if you found this podcast. Um, but he wrote Milo his own theme song about their second ride together. And it is so fucking cute. But we're also gonna, like, I'm, I'm building him social media for, like, his music stuff and also to just post about, like, the process of becoming a doctor and whatnot. And, um, yeah, it'll be, it'll be, um, something that we're gonna try to really, uh, like, make happen for him so that people can follow his stuff because he's very talented. So you can check that out because I tagged him in a lot of stuff, um, pertaining to like the horse stuff that I've put him in, in the song and whatnot. So we're going to continue building that because he's super funny and he's super talented and has far more charisma and just general marketability for social media than I do, especially to like a larger, less niche audience in the horse world. So I think he's going to do quite well in social media and he deserves it because the medical industry is really exploitative. They don't pay very well the residents and they get overworked and underappreciated and it's, it's pretty shitty. Um, so I would love to help alleviate some of that stress so that he can get treated or treat himself because obviously medical debt for going to medical school and stuff is also a lot of money. Um, so yeah, that's why I'm kind of helping him with that. And I've been sharing his profile. So if you want to go toss him a follow, I've tagged him on my social pages. His name is Dr. Kat Scan. It's a, it's a play on words. It's Dr. is like, so D-R K-A-T-Z-C. I mean, sorry, Dr. K-A-T-Z-S-C-A-N. Um, and I've tagged him on my social pages as well. But if you want to toss him a follow, that'd be really appreciated. We're going to be writing like more songs and like skits and little jingles and whatnot. Um, and there's going to be more content coming. And so far it's just a song that he did for Milo that's up there, but there's going to be more stuff. So just give him a follow because he's an absolutely delightful human being and very, very talented. And I'm sure you'll end up liking his stuff because I'm sure there's also going to be more horse related skits too. And then we'll also post about him learning how to ride and whatnot, but yeah, he's an absolute delight. So check all that out. And, um, yeah, I hope that it just, that this continues going well for me and either way, like, it's just like, I'm more respected. So even if we did part our separate ways, I don't think it would go in the same way that this last relationship did, but yeah, I'm feeling a lot happier. It's like a weight off my shoulders and I feel a lot more free in life. I have more energy. I'm more able to focus on the important stuff in my life and plan for the future and also feel like excited about the future because I don't feel like I'm going to be like imprisoned in a toxic relationship long-term with no real out because there's not like an effort to improve. Um, so I'm really excited and he's just like such a lovely person. So, um, anyways, that's context. The new boy I'm posting about is not the same as the old boy. And I like was planning to be like single for way longer and just kind of like take my time. Um, and like 
like, I don't know, go on more dates. Like I told my friend Amy, I was like, I'm going to go on dates with at least five guys before I settle down because I haven't dated a lot. Um, and like I talked to a lot of different guys, but I lost interest in most of them. And then like we just hit it off so well, like to the point where it's like I have lit- like platonic or romantic. I've never met someone that I've hit it off off with this quickly and this well and been able to talk with about this many different things and be like intellectually stimulated and like be able to have such good conversations with so many different things and have like so many mutual interests that it's like it would have been such a stupid decision to just not go with it and explore that because it was just like so amazingly different than anything I'd ever experienced so then it was like okay we gotta just see how this goes and it's kind of funny because we both kind of entered the situation being like oh yeah like we're gonna just like take this slow and like get used to each other and like I mean like we've taken time to like we've been talking for over a over a month now well over a month um and but like we were planning to just like yeah be way more casual about it but then we just like hit it off so well that it's like okay like we gotta just see how this goes because there's just like such chemistry and connection like um mentally and physically and just like we get along really well and hopefully like as he's in more of my videos you guys will see what I mean um because it probably seems that I'm just like perpetually (laughs) in relationships um and like I don't need to be in a relationship I'm super independent I do my own thing and like I have my own goals like my goal is to buy my own farm with my own money and not have to split it with a man just so that I can and so that I'm not reliant on a man um, and I don't want to be reliant on a man at all. And he knows that, but like, so it, it's just, it's cool just because like, yeah, it was just like such an instant and amazing connection that I'm super, super appreciative of. And I feel really fortunate to have met him, like, regardless of like what happens in the long run, like he's going to be someone that I'm going to remember in my life that has like kind of changed my life and altered my perspective on things because he's just like such an amazing delightful human being like truly the nicest man I have ever encountered by far like by far like just an absolute fucking delight who has just texted me also right now um (laughs) haha he texted me about his half chap measurements he's because we're getting him half chaps to ride in um so (laughs) he's so fucking cute oh my god um but yeah so I'm excited um, and I'll let you know how that all goes and I'm sure we'll continue posting about his stuff because we're planning on doing like the music stuff and then I'll do some vlog stuff on my channel as well. Um, but I just really want to help him out and build his channel just because like I want him to have a passive income on top of the super demanding fucking underappreciated and underpaid job that he has. Like one thing I will say for those of you who are not aware, like I wasn't aware of this until he told me, but like residents don't get paid very well. Like when you divide their salary amongst the amount of hours that they have every year, it works out to being like seven to eight dollars an hour, which is like insane um, for the level of responsibility they have. Like the tiny tiny margin for error that they have and just like how difficult the work is so he deserves to get a passive income in the same way I do because like or more honestly because I'm like this is mind-blowing to me that I get paid more to play with horses than he does to save people's lives and like I know playing with horses is downplaying what I do because I train them and like I'm educated and I think I'm good at my job but like horses are like 
for fun. Like they're, they're a privilege. They're, um, they're like just an addition to people's lives. They're not like a necessity. Whereas like medical care is a necessity. And it's just mind blowing to me that in that work environment that people can be so mistreated and underpaid when they are like the hospitals are so reliant on these residents and what they do. So, um, just give him a follow, check out his stuff, help me build up his profile so that he can have some enjoyable parts of like passive income on top of being exploited and underpaid by the medical industry. So, cause it's exhausting and like, yeah, it's wild to me seeing the hours worked and being like, how is this ethical? This feels like it is a human rights violation. Um, And, you know, like the horse world is a little bit like that in what we justify doing to working students and grooms where there's like definitive workplace violations that are like not okay and that everyone normalizes it because they're just like, oh, like this is the way it is. You have to work really hard to get like opportunities and blah, 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 blah. And we enable some of that toxic behavior too and it's not okay. So I hope to eradicate that type of thinking and really flip the narrative on that because people just deserve to be treated well and paid well. And what I find a amongst like most workforces is that a lot of the people who are doing the most important jobs and the most difficult work are getting some of the least amount of pay and the people like at the top who in theory are doing the less important jobs and less work are reaping the benefits to the tune of like millions and billions when they probably shouldn't be and they should be a little bit more generous with the money that they are hoarding so that they can help the people who are doing all the grunt work at the bottom um And that's what I would like to see. But anyways, that is my story. I would be really interested if people let me know if this resonated with you and if any of you have been through similar things, because I think it would be good to just start a conversation on toxic relationships and just like types of behaviors that are normalized or downplayed or that like you or someone else in your life has put up with and that you didn't necessarily realize just how problematic it was at the time. I think that starting that conversation is good because like, I I do know like most of my following is 18 plus, but like even like 18 to 23 year old people, like your youngsters, like I'm a such a different person than I was even like two years ago at 25. So it's just like such a huge period of change between 18 and 25. And people within that age range, like if I can teach them these lessons now, hopefully it'll prevent them from making the mistakes that I had to make in order to learn such lessons. Or if they're in the middle of making those mistakes, hopefully it'll help them get out of those mistakes sooner and just have like the self-confidence to really put their foot down and know that they're not the problem. Cause I know like people who are toxic will try to convince you that you are the problem. And when you're in that type of echo chamber, it can be really hard to go with your gut and have confidence in yourself and believe that you are not the problem. So I would really like to help people build the confidence with that. And it also is like pertaining to horse world relationships. Like for example, putting your foot down when your trainer wants you to do something that you morally do not agree with doing to your horse and they try to ridicule you and abuse their power position to try to make you feel like you're stupid for not listening to them. Um, doesn't mean they're correct. Doesn't mean they're correct. So try to become more empowered and making decisions for yourself that you feel are the right ones for you to make. And don't 
necessarily be so swayed by other people throwing around their position or trying to shame you into agreeing with them or believing that you're the problem because it isn't necessarily the case. And I just want people to feel more empowered in doing that. And like being able to self-reflect and recognize when you may have been the toxic person in a situation or when you may have self-work to do is also important because again, like we all have our strengths and weaknesses and we can all be toxic at times, but there's also a lot of times where the fear of being toxic makes it so that we cannot make smart decisions about what is best for us and like protect ourselves in situations where we may be taking and getting taken advantage of and mistreated by other people. So thank you for listening to my podcast. I know this wasn't super horsey related, but it is something that I wanted to get off my chest and talk about a little bit more just to give people context for those of you who have been following me closely and have wanted to know what's going on. Those are some of the struggles that I've gone through. And, um, yeah, like it's, it's, I'm out on the other side now. It's great. But like, I also hope this will provide people with context as to why like certain riders may not be progressing their horses as quickly as you think that they should. Like I've had so many people come at me and be like, Oh, like, why aren't you doing more with your Mustangs or like Banksy and blah, blah, blah. And it's because like, I, I couldn't. And also, like, it's not hurting them right now. Like, I'm prioritizing my own piece right now over producing content and training stuff for people to think that I am a good trainer. I don't care if they think I'm a bad trainer or that I'm not producing horses or bringing them on quickly enough because for a lot of years I was producing way, like, I was doing way too much and riding way too many horses, and I was burning myself out, and it sucked the joy out of riding and doing the work, and it also made me more frustrated and less patient with the horses. I already know that if I want to rush things, that I'm capable of doing so, because that's what I did for so many years. I was able to rush things to the detriment of the horse, and it's not, not in every case. Like, I can make things go faster depending on how I allocate my time and the way that I go about things. But sometimes it's to the detriment of my own mental health then. And I don't think that there's any shame in prioritizing myself and my mental health and my own feelings and trying to avoid burnout. And I think that's something that people should be applauding because we encourage burnout to such an unhealthy degree in this horse world. And we encourage trainers to be like perpetually productive and feel like they need to have something to prove all the time in order for people to continue believing that they're a good and valid trainer, which is also super unhealthy. And I think we need to start to sway away from that because it leads people to burning themselves out and becoming potentially toxic people. Because when you're super burnt out and tired and exhausted, it's really hard to respond to things in a healthy way too. So, um, that's something we also need to sway away from is like people feeling that they need to be perpetually productive and always working on like something with their horses and always having like a goal to work towards instead of just like chilling, hanging out and enjoying yourselves and just like enjoying the process and giving, being gentle with yourself and giving yourself breaks as needed. Like these are things that we really need to start normalizing and doing because it's healthy. It's a healthy and okay thing to do that. Like we don't need to be ashamed of taking our time and slowing down and like just being with our horses and not feel like we have to be always producing and like moving on to the next task. And I'd like to see that normalized too, which is why I like sharing these things to give people context, because I feel like without context, people are like, oh, you're just making excuses. Like you're just saying that because you can't produce your horse well enough. And like people will still probably say that, but like I want to give people context so that they can hopefully go like, hey, I've gone through that too. And I pushed myself through the burnout and it sucked. Maybe I should be more gentle with myself next time. So that's why I like to provide context. Like I know some people might view this as like oversharing or whatever, but I think that it's important to share some of these things to kind of denormalize 
um, toxic behaviors and erase stigma surrounding sharing this type of information and like being vulnerable and admitting when we've been having a hard time or when we've gone through something that has been super impactful to us. Um, so I think sharing that is important. But anyways, thank you everyone for listening. If you like my podcast and the work that I do, there's multiple ways that you can support my content creation, such as shopping in my web store where I have bridles and apparel. Most of my apparel is made from recycled fabrics. I try to make the prices affordable and attainable for people. There's some really big sales on that you can get super cheap stuff for. You can check that out at shopmilestoneq.com. You can also check out my main website that has free learning resources, book resources. It has my new book listed on there if you're interested in buying it. It also has training resources that you can purchase such as webinars on positive reinforcement, um, horse behavior, etc. You can do that at milestoneequestrian.ca. You can also subscribe to my Patreon for as little as a dollar a month, p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash s-d-e-q-u-u-s, s-d-equus. And if you subscribe for the $7.50 a month, or yeah, $7.50 a month or above, you can access all of the previous tutorials that I have there. And there's like 30 plus, there's tons of them. There's also previous Q&As where I go into detail on a lot of common questions in positive reinforcement. Also, if you're interested in just doing like a one-time donation, I have a PayPal link that you can go to. It's paypal.me slash milestone equestrian. And that's just great for like helping support, for example, my path to Paris or helping support the podcast. Cause I generally speaking, do not put any ads in my podcast other than plugging my own stuff. So I make no money off of this, but I put a lot of time into recording them and whatnot. So that's just, if you're interested in supporting my content creation, it's much appreciated. It'll go in towards me continuing to expand my business, pushing this welfare movement with the Alliance for Horse Welfare and Sport, and just doing incentives that I think are important and valuable to helping improve the lives of horses and people. uh, Because like I said, a lot of the money that I have made goes back into the business and I have like student debts to pay for on top of all that and like stuff like that. So it is a huge undertaking and it's really stressful because like ordering in huge quantities of products to sell, for example, is inherently risky. If they don't sell, then I'm just out thousands of dollars, um, which is a really scary position to put myself in. So like on paper, I make decent money, but a lot of it goes back into the business. So I don't necessarily see all of it. And I'm still at the startup phase of my like apparel and tack business where it's like more risky and there's more risks involved. And I'm also a small business, so it can be hard to like make sales at the rate that I need to in order to continue expansion and really start putting money towards the things that I view as really important in the long run. So if you're interested, please check those out. Please share my store if you want. Share this podcast, like sharing any of my posts, commenting on my posts, all that stuff really, really helps. It helps me expand my reach and reach more customers and just like appreciating the content and listening. Like I really appreciate it. So thank you everyone who supports me, um, be it through like buying my products or just like watching my podcast or following me. Like I really, really appreciate it. And I'm so thankful for all of you. And I hope that podcasts like this aren't necessarily boring, even though they deviate from what I usually post. Like I hope that people find them helpful, even if they're not everyone's cup of tea. So thank you for listening. My next podcast that I plan to record to record is the harm reduction in horse sport podcast and I'm planning to do that soon I've been planning to do it for a while but I just haven't had it in me because I've been so exhausted and like still kind of recovering emotionally from stuff of the past and then also now that I'm feeling really good like I have been dedicating more time to just enjoying spending time with important people that I like spending time with and I'm sure you can guess 
who I'm referencing in that, um, along with like friends and whatnot. Like I just went to see the Barbie movie yesterday. It was fantastic. Um, and I've been trying to make more time just enjoying myself outside of work because in past years, that's not something that I have put enough time into. And I think that's also important for avoiding burnout. So thank you everyone. Let me know what you think about this podcast and if it resonated with you, I'd really appreciate hearing your thoughts. Um, and if you don't like these types of podcasts, then that's also cool too. Let me know. Um, thank you for listening and I'll stay stay tuned on when the next one will be coming out.